What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey folks, before we start the show, make home your favorite new restaurant this winter with Omaha Steaks delivered straight to your door. Have you ever wondered what makes Omaha Steaks so good? Well, here's your answer. I figured it out. It's the aging process. Omaha Steaks are aged at least 21 days. That's where the magic happens. Try these mouth-watering steaks in the Butcher's Best Sellers package. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter the promo code VOICES into the search bar to save over 50% and secure exclusive pricing. Included in the Butcher's Best Sellers package are four iconic fork tender butchers cut filet mignons, four ultra-juicy burgers, four savory pork chops, four kielbasa sausages, four rich and decadent caramel apple tartlets, and so much more. In addition to getting more than 50% off, you also get four more chicken breasts and four more of those delicious burgers for free. All you have to do is visit omahasteaks.com, type voices into the search bar to order the Butcher's Best Sellers package today. Save 50% plus get four free chicken breasts and four burgers, all from the company that's been bringing people together for over 100 years. That's omahasteaks.com, type voices in the search bar. Again, omahasteaks.com. Stakes.com. And now let the cartoons begin. Recorded live in the USA and covering the whole wide world. Right on! This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Scores! Magic! Well, let's have a look at the replay. William, move your head. Look at the size of that boy's head. Shh. I'm not kidding. It's like an orange on a toothpick. Shh, you got to give the boy a complex. Well, that's a huge noggin. <laughs> it's a virtual planetoid. Shh. Has its own weather system. Shh. Heed, move. Stuart, bring in the paper. All right, hen. Heed, paper, no. <laughs> move that melon of yours and get the paper if you can. <laughs> Pulling that gargantuan cranium about. I'm not kidding. That boy's head's like Sputnik. <laughs> Spherical, but quite pointy in parts. Well, that was offside, wasn't it? <laughs> He'll be crying himself to sleep tonight on his huge pillow. Bob Seska. Bob Seska. You really are sick. The Bob Seska Show. I, I think we have a new metaphor for Matt Gates. From our nation's capital, it is Thursday, February 25, 2021, and this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, my name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello, day 37 of the Biden-Harris administration, 621 days until the 22 midterms, and here they come. It is the goth ninjas, Jody Hamilton, T-Rex, David Ferguson, 
And it's another Thursday show. Here we are. Jody Hamilton's at, of course, uh, From the Bunker, the From the Bunker podcast, from dash the dash bunker.com. Also on sexyliberal.com, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network, your podcasting superstation. Again, that's sexyliberal.com. Also on the Stephanie Miller Show, Jody Hamilton can be heard there every Tuesday. StephanieMiller.com. Also, David T. Rex Ferguson from the T. Rex Report podcast. Also from Astral Summer, astralsummer.bandcamp.com. Okay, here we go. Goth Ninjas, welcome. Welcome to the show today. Thank you for joining me. Um, where do we begin today? So, the Scottish accents are just. Hey, do you guys know about the Scottish Mafia? I don't know anything about the Scottish Mafia. <laughs> They'll make you an offer you can't understand. <laughs> see, I see, guys. I had a Scottish accent until I started going to school more than two hours a day. Did you really? Can you? Yeah, still, my, can you still do it? No, I can't. It's funny because it, to me, they, okay, we had my nanny and her husband. Thank you. Yes, I had a nanny. Um, both parents worked people. <laughs> yeah, um, people. And so, and and John ran the household, and and Jesse was our nanny, and also she was the housekeeper. Yeah. And so, they were from Glasgow. Mm. Oh. And I was an infant when they started working for my parents. Carrie was already three and a half years, almost. Well, she was a little over three years old when I was mm. born. So she was, you know, going to preschool and stuff at that point. So as I'm living with them, basically more hours of the day than anybody else. I start sounding like them. Now, my parents think that's just how I talk because they hear John and Jesse, you know, right? And so they had some friends from England come over to visit when I was about four years old. Yeah. And I went into the living room to say goodnight. And so I guess I walked in and I said, goodnight, mom, goodnight, dad, you know, whatever, kiss, hugs, kisses. And I trotted out. And the English friend said, I have never heard such an American with such a thick Scottish brogue. <laughs> yeah. I'm so jealous. I would love to be Good night, ma. Good night, da. Go yeah. to bed. <laughs> well, Giddles, you know, the Giddles are over there. Um, it's It was like, to, but to me, John and Jesse did not have an accent. Mm, yeah, yeah. So, Just the- they sounded normal to That's me. That's how they right? talk. Yeah, of course. That's how they talked, right? They had, but but Jesse's sister, as far as I was concerned, she had a really thick accent. Weirdly, <laughs> um, and then my friends would come over and couldn't understand a word out of it because a Glasgow yeah. accent is hardcore. Scottish. Well, yeah. you know, I'm so it's, glad hearing this story that you're referring to your nanny as a nanny and not as an au pair. Because if you started referring to her as an au pair, I would have to disown you as a friend. Well, first off, they didn't call them then yeah, that, right. at the time. And secondly, John and Jesse were in their 40s. Oh, okay. Uh, gotcha. I think an au pair is kind of a younger person. Oh, is it really? Yeah. I had no rule. idea. Yeah. I'm not up yeah, to speed. Yeah, an au pair is in general a young female lady person who comes yeah. in to d- destroy a marriage. I mean, mm. uh, take care of the children. <laughs> well, by the way, that was from So I Married an Axe Murderer, the Mike Myers uh, movie from uh, sometime in the late 90s. One yeah. of the great scenes. He played like multiple characters in that, including his own dad, who was Scottish. And then the kid had just literally a giant head. <laughs> so they just did a whole Like an run. orange and a toothpick. Yeah, it's like virtual planetoid. See, you can I drag I, that huge noggin out and get the paper. <laughs> so I thought immediately of Matt Gates. So we have a, a whole new reference point anytime Matt Gates is in the news. So the that's great uh, huge head on him. <laughs> Cranium. Giant I, pillar. And that's the best part. He's gonna cry himself to sleep on his huge pillar. <laughs> his huge my pillar pillar. That's right. Exactly. So, so are you guys watching uh, Trump's speech at CPAC on Sunday? Because I'm gonna. No. Oh hell no. I'm watching that. I, I'm gonna. 
I think I'm going to live tweet it because I'm just so fucking crazy for wanting to subject myself to it. But to a certain extent now, I feel better doing it because there's no threat or at least there's no immediate threat. So it's going to be a little bit more relaxing to cover that whatever nightmarish two hours that's going to be that he's just going to go off with all of his penned up madness from the well, past and that few his months. tax returns are now in the hands of the DA in Manhattan <laughs> so that's going to that's going to be on his little pea brain he's going to be raging and I'm expecting mm-hmm. something on par with his CPAC 2019 speech yeah. which was beyond anything that he had ever done before. That was his most maniacal speech ever, and I dare anyone to challenge me. Pro- yeah, I prove remember. me wrong. <laughs> you came one. back from that kind of glassy-eyed, half your hair turned white. You were just like, yeah. it was horrible. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It was, it was two and a half hours. It was He went on for two and a half hours. I was, it was one of those things where I'm live tweeting it, and I'm going... Oh, is it Monday already? Shit, I've been doing this for... It seemed like it was going on for hours and hours. And it seemed like I was like up all night, you know, live tweeting that because it never ended. And the worst part about it wasn't necessarily the length, but all of the madness that was shoehorned and crowbarred into that two and a half hours. Uh, I mean, weird, crazy badger faces he was doing and voices and performance art and flailing and everything you could put. It was like a a best of. It was like... the Stones performing Satisfaction. It was like a, <laughs> it was nonstop. Everything that is crazy about Trump compacted into one singular speech. If you want to go back and look at it, what's wrong with you? So this weekend should probably be about the same, if not worse, because he's got less to lose now. <laughs> so he's going to let his freak flag fly uh, this the weekend. The whole thing is going to be about the election yeah oh yeah oh yeah Yeah. that's his e-day fix or however you the election cancel culture it's gonna Uh be like obviously witch hunt yeah list of list of grievances yeah yeah everything from the 2016 election night to the 2020 election night the witch hunt and the russia 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 and then there's going to be the ymca at the end and he's still not going to realize what that song's about uh so (laughs) and of course uh i will be there to uh walk you through it (laughs) tweeting because i'm just fucking nuts that's that's where i am right now so uh let's see here you know here's a Here's a topic that we haven't really talked about on this show so far since it's been an issue over the past couple of weeks, and that is the minimum wage. Right now, uh, the Senate parliamentarian, as far as I know, as we're recording this, the Senate parliamentarian, Elizabeth McDonough, hasn't uh, come up with a decision yet as to whether or not they can put the $15 minimum wage into this reconciliation COVID relief bill. Bernie Sanders had the best argument. I think they're going to allow it. Are they really? Yeah, because yeah. it basically does affect the general economy like this bill mm-hmm. does. And, yeah. and Bernie Sanders' argument is is solid. It's no brainer. A minimum wage is a no yeah. fucking brainer. And no. this and I don't know why it's taken this long to do this thing. I mean, you talk about, you know, the other side of the coin, and we have had how many different tax cut bills that have been passed in the last 20 years since the $15 minimum wage has been on the table? I think the first time it was ever proposed was 2002. 
And it has been this long without any action along those lines. But uh, countless tax cuts along the way. That's fine. We can afford that. But somehow we can't afford to do a $15 minimum wage. And here's my thing with this. I have owned now uh, three, maybe four, if my memory serves, uh, small businesses in the last 22 years. And so I know a thing or two about running a small business and putting together a budget, putting together a business plan, and so on. While I have made myriad mistakes along the way, I have fucked up left and right, like most people do as they work their way through a small business. But if you can't afford a $15 minimum wage inside your business plan, you're doing it wrong. It has nothing to do with the minimum wage. It has everything to do with you. That's the problem. See, it's the price of doing business. It's like you put together a business plan at the beginning of opening a store or whatever, a service company, what have you. You put together that business plan and you incorporate into it the things that are necessary to run a business, like rent, like insurance, like internet access, electrical, utilities, parking, all the rest of it. You put all that together. And for some reason, incorporating a livable wage for your workers, literally the centerpiece of your production process, you're doing it wrong. You're not budgeting correctly. It'd be like going into a business plan and saying, well, I'm not, uh, this rent, uh, no way I'm paying this rent. Well, y- yeah, you got to pay it. You got to, there's no, there shouldn't be any wiggle room then when it comes to the minimum wage, paying your employees the bare minimum they need in order to survive so that they can focus their attention on your business, on their work for your business. Instead of having to take a second gig, distracting themselves, becoming exhausted because of it, becoming ornery and, and angry, because resentful because they have to take a second job over yours, then your employees are dissatisfied. To me, this is a simple thing. So it's when your business model means exploiting people and wrecking their lives. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. The thing that gets on my case is not so much the small business owner. Mm-hmm. Um is your large corporations oh, like yeah. Walmart and McDonald's mm-hmm. and others that basically can afford to pay their employees at least $15 an hour, let alone yeah. more, but they choose profit over that. The, the profit margin for a small business is razor thin in general. Walmart, literally, we're subsidizing Walmart's employees so that they can get food stamps that they shouldn't have, that they then spend at Walmart. Yeah. It's, you know, that's where, it, that's Bernie Sanders' argument too on the $15 minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Um, because McDonald's pays a living wage in other countries. It's, it's absurd and obscene the it way obscene. we justify and sacrifice certain things that are completely necessary. There should be much higher priorities in our lives, mm-hmm. in our, our businesses, and so forth, in our household budgets to our corporate budgets and every point mm-hmm. in between. Like We always sacrifice on the human beings because we mm-hmm. figure, okay, well, they're humans, they can bend. Or we sacrifice on Healthcare. It's like you go into a store and you see vitamins that will help you. You see a bottle of CoQ10 on the shelf and you go, oh my God, that's $18. I can't afford $18 for CoQ10. But then you're paying, you know, $250 a month for fucking cable television. Where's the lopsided priorities here? You can't spend $18 on a a bottle of CoQ10 to take care of your heart, but you can spend $250 on cable every month. So there are other ways 
to make up the difference in you know paying your employees uh, the bare minimum minimum wage. I've worked those shitty jobs at mm-hmm. eight fifty, seven fifty an hour, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know I worked at Old Navy, which is like a massive corporation, but they yeah. were constant and they were very upfront about like we can't have you working more than thirty eight hours because then we have to pay you full time yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah wages and I have to give you benefits so I mean and you're, they're like letting you know as they're holding your head under like you know we're doing this so we can make more money and we're cutting back on staff we're cutting and it was just I worked for a company years ago a small company it was only five of us that were employed I believe total mm-hmm. and and at one point we got a, a a client where I could actually get a decent paycheck and we were using payroll at that point and then one of the partners in the company came to me after that job went away and they had less money coming in not i was doing the books i knew what was coming in by the way yeah Um, (laughs) i knew what was coming in and what was going out Mm -hmm. and um they the partner came to me and said would you mind going on as a independent contractor yeah and i said well if that's the case then i'm going to want double my pay because then i have to pay my payroll taxes and your payroll taxes because as a 1099 employee you pay payroll on both sides mm-hmm. as far as your medicare and your and your social security that's double taxed for a 1099 employee that's right and if i said it and by the way if i have to come in at a certain time every day i'm technically an employee that's exactly yeah, right independent so if you want me to be an independent contractor then i'm setting my hours mm-hmm. and you're paying me double i mean if you want to if you want me to be an employee then you're paying me double or i'm setting my own hours and i'm going to only work four hours a day yeah. I mean, there's no guarantee that if you start a business that you're going to be able to make all ends meet. There's no, right. I mean, there are, we've put safety nets into the system. Absolutely. But there's no assurance that you're going to be able to make your business work. The thing that is absolutely required for this to make a small business fly or a large corporation, as the case may be, is that you go into it planning accordingly and so you plan to pay your people a wage that they can survive on this is it's basic it's like well yes we have to get insurance because this is that health insurance or there's all kinds of insurance that you're required to buy and so you incorporate that into the budget too Mm -hmm. i don't know why this is such a difficult haul for so many people and you know look there's not 100 support for it on the left either there are people on the left or like mm, i don't know i don't know if i don't know if my Ugh. business can afford a 15 dollars minimum wage well then you're doing Do you it know wrong what tipped workers in yeah. georgia make per hour nothing 225 yeah jesus christ and 25 cents an hour and if yeah. you don't get any tables that day that's all you make was it senator thune today that said when he was a dishwasher Ugh. he was earning six dollars an hour it's like um now in in today's money he would have been earning 1450 an hour right so I just, F I, you. I, I fucking hate this whole like baby boomer like well, when i was your age we, yeah, we lived well, in a lake we mm-hmm. ate cold rocks for breakfast and we were happy about it you know <laughs> and you. it's just it's yeah like, yeah it, why? Okay, so you want to now meet out generational punishment? Well, and then other they, people. somebody yeah. else said that like when they and they could put themselves through college, but the college tuition at the time was like nine hundred dollars a year. Now it's ten thousand dollars, which is definitely not adjusted for inflation. The nine hundred dollars would be maybe five thousand dollars a year now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, come on, guys, you know, and that ten thousand dollars a year to a state school is cheap. Well, there are ways then too. Let's say you've already established your business and you've already created your business plan around. Uh-huh. A seven, uh, the current minimum wage. Yeah, it's like a $7. Or what, what is the current minimum wage? $7. $7.25. $7.25. $7.25. And so, it has been since the 90s. Right. So then a 
minimum wage of $15 gets passed, let's say in this COVID relief bill, suddenly you have to rejigger how you do things, how you run your books. Well, there are other ways to sacrifice that don't involve fucking over your employees. You know what I mean? This seems to me it's like the last route you want to go. The last thing you want to do is to say, to all of your workers who literally make your business move. You guys are all screwed. We can't keep you on anymore. Bye. No, 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 no. There are other ways to do that. There are other ways to cut back maybe or to increase sales. You know, that's what you think in terms of being a business owner. That's how you plan for these things. You don't sacrifice the thing that's most important to your business. That's the American way. Yeah. That's our country right now. Our work culture in this country is so broken in mm-hmm. that it's like the humans – the people who are actually doing the work yeah. are the most disposable part of the machine. That's exactly right. And even at like, you know, semi-executive jobs, like when I was writing for a website, it was still this attitude of you should be glad to have a job at all. Right. Yeah. You know, and we can replace you at any time. Well, I so, hope that uh, the Senate parliamentarian is going to make a solid ruling on this and allow them to incorporate. And I hope, <laughs> well, what's going to happen is it's going to happen as soon as we're finished with the show. That's when uh, probably that's probably. when is going to hand it down. The other thing, like with Walmart in particular, I don't go to that store. Mm. Um, I don't buy from them online if I can avoid it, Good which I usually do. I mean, it, sometimes from Amazon, I get something from Walmart and it pisses me off. But um, I, they apparently now only have self-checkouts in some of their stores in, across the country. Oh, yeah. yeah. See? Why and, pay more for people? Well, and the thing is, is like, like we have self-checkout in some of our grocery stores and some of our pharmacies here. And it's like, unless my product is less money, I'm going to the checker. Right. Just to keep that person employed. For a a corporation like Walmart, there are all kinds of other ways to make up the difference, to be able to pay a $15 fucking minimum wage. Add five cents to all of your products on the price of all of your products. And there, there's your fucking minimum wage for your people. CEOs have been making money you know hand over fist oh yeah yeah and hundreds of millions of dollars hundreds of million yeah and and it's like oh and we can't raise the minimum wage to 15 dollars because it's going to raise <sighs> somebody said in dc apparently the the minimum wage is 15 dollars an hour and mm-hmm. the difference in a taco bell like burrito is was literally 30 cents yeah ridiculous easily so, affordable by anyone completely if you, you know. just move work it in i mean i've been to some restaurants by the way for tipped servers mm-hmm. there's some restaurants around here there are a couple sushi restaurants around here not that i've been in a while yeah. um <laughs> but uh sugarfish in particular they don't allow tipping because they pay their servers enough oh okay that's so much i mean uh, they, they don't do it in europe unless it's like a big party and they just tack on a gratuity because mm-hmm. it's really like and I, it's slave it's, was, it's it's a hearkening to slave labor and mm. it is a holdover actually from mm-hmm segregation mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh because people would just not pay their their black you know mm-hmm. wa- waiters and or servers and they would just live off whatever people left on the table and mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's so degrading i was mm-hmm. the worst waiter in the world because like i couldn't depersonalize i couldn't not get my feelings hurt when people would stiff me or and also the weirdest thing was the meaner i was the more people tipped <laughs> yeah, my mom and I did that once. <laughs> really? Um, there was this. It was in England, actually, years ago, and um, this guy just was in a really shitty mood. Yeah. Something mm-hmm. was not going right for him that day, and he was terrible. He wasn't. He snapped at us. I mean, it wasn't just like <laughs> he wasn't a good server. He was just kind of mean, and 
And we were nice people. Hi, thank you. You know, thank you. Please, you know, you're chipper. <laughs> Americans. Yeah. Uh, exactly, right? So he was just, he was in a shitty mood. And mom left him like a 50% tip or something. Mm-hmm. And as we left the restaurant, he ran out. Yeah. And he said, thank you very much. I've been having a very bad day. <laughs> and I'm so oh. sorry I was mean to you. I didn't mean, and he, he was just like. That's great. He was just having such a bad day, and he took it out on us for because Americans um, were easy targets. And then you were yeah. nicer to him than anyone all day. And every yeah, exactly. And so he was just he. I mean, he literally he ran out and hugged my mom, and and was just like, "I'm so sorry, thank you so much." And she goes, "Honey, I it looked like you were having a bad day." Well, here's the other thing I too. I love your mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just a fanboy for a second, you know. <laughs> Always. I should say. I, mean, I need I to send you that graphic of her going, Carol Burnett approves. <laughs> yes. It's awesome. I love that. I love that so but much. I like, you know, I would walk up to the table and be like, you people make me sick. Can I tell you about our specials? And they'd be like, take our money here. You know? <laughs> that is the Gen X table server. That's who you were. That would be your <laughs> SNL character. <laughs> be like, we have five coffees character. today. Because it was a coffee house. And I would yeah. like run down the list of coffees. Kenya Double A is our dark roast. Colombian Supreme is our medium or flavor. You know? And they'd be like, I just want coffee. I'm like, I'm sorry. You have to choose. I'm sorry, we're out of coffee. <laughs> I guess want American coffee. Well, sir, there's no such thing. It's all grown other countries, so you know. Well, here's the thing: seven states already have the $15 minimum wage. Yes, and and they're not crashing and burning. It's not like there's some yeah, big small fire. business crisis in those states. They're going, oh my god, we're being destroyed by this $15 minimum wage. And yes, different states have different sized economies. That's a fact. But the this is just this is something that's on the way anyway. And and just passing the national minimum wage is just going to skip over some steps to get us there in a consistent way, to get us across the board to a $15 minimum wage. And I think that's fair enough. And I hope it passes soon because, as you can tell by today's show, I'm having trouble saying the word minimum. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> the sooner we get... We got to get past this issue, so... Because I have a pronunciation You know how I was like you. saying the skiff, you know, when they go to the skiff, they take yeah. the rowboat across the underground cavern in the sunken lake and see the one-eyed wizard. You know, I picture the Senate parliamentarian as basically like... George Clinton from Parliament Funkadelic, but like, you know, perched like the caterpillar from yeah. Alice in Wonderland, like on a mushroom being like, I, mu- I must consider this, you know, and like, that be- you know what? We want the funk. Yeah. That's exactly what she looks like. That's exactly what she is. <laughs> Elizabeth McDonough is sitting on a giant mushroom and with colorful braids all the way down her back. Surrounded by weird ambient light and sparkles. Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, the House Democrats plan to pass their $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief bill by tomorrow, setting up the Senate to approve the bill with a simple majority and send it to Biden before March 14, when several unemployment programs expire. A ruling from the Senate parliamentarian in her magical chamber is expected soon. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> is expected soon about whether uh, Biden's proposed $15 an hour. Actually, I, I revised. This is expected two seconds after we're done with the show today. That's when that decision will be handed down right. uh, about the $15 minimum wage. I think it should be included. Meanwhile, more than 150 I... American companies urged congressional leaders to pass immediate and large-scale federal legislation to address the health and economic crisis brought on by COVID-19 pandemic, saying more must be done to put the country on a trajectory for a strong, durable recovery. And I, quite frankly, I think we're headed in that direction. And the only thing that could fuck that up is if uh, the American voters go bananas again and elect, you know, another Republican for president in uh, a few years. But I mean, save for that, 
we're going to have a pretty good 20s here. I think uh, what we're looking at is an economy that's going to oh, improve God, and, it. in a stable <laughs> way. Well, look, it was the same thing when uh, Barack Obama became president. We had this slow, steady recovery without many bubbles along the way that could potentially disintegrate well and with the with the covid crisis i mean we got to remember the 1918 flu pandemic did follow the roaring 20s so i do have my flapper dresses and i am relearning (laughs) the charleston (laughs) that's right i mean everyone's predicting it there are a lot of uh forecasts saying that you know we could be looking at another roaring 20s and i think that we're all looking forward to celebrating once this pandemic is still too scarred from the last uh, the last dark timeline. I'm just like, okay, and then COVID 21 will come along. Oh yeah, well, and, you know, or just I mean, who fucking knows? Well, Ebola will suddenly make make the leap to high transmissibility. I hear you. Or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, the planet is trying to shake us off like fleas. There is no <laughs> doubt about that. Yeah. Um, but I think that the, I mean, there's a, there's two variants in California that are of concern. Then mm-hmm. there's the Pfizer apparently is developing a new one dose vaccine that's supposed to get to the California virus, the B117, the mm-hmm. South Africa virus and the Brazilian virus. But now there's a new virus. <laughs> there's a new variant in <laughs> New York. Um, but Pfizer is looking at getting it not only a one dose, but can be f- stored in regular freezer, not in sub-zero temperatures, and can yeah. be refrozen, unlike the current vaccine. So <laughs> Pfizer and Moderna are on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's good news. Yeah. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. That it normally takes like 10 years to yeah. make a vaccine for something. But well, they've been like, working on this type of thing for 10 years. Yeah. And yeah. every scientist, on every life scientist and biologist on the planet pretty much dropped what they were doing. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, so. That's right. And you know what? That proves that we can do lots of things that mm-hmm. seem we impossible. We can do hard things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As long as the people at the top aren't actively throwing wrenches into the game. Exactly mm-hmm. fucking right. Exactly right. And you know what? That's one of the more frustrating aspects of... And Jody, I I don't need to tell you, one of the most frustrating aspects of the existence of cancer, that we still Uh haven't gotten to that point, that there still has not been like a moon mission effort to cure cancer or whatever you want to call it, some sort of- Biden was on that as a vice president. They literally called it Project Moonshot. Project Moonshot, there you go. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you know, you could loop in things like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and Mm so on. And look, if we really put our best feet forward, we could- accomplish cures for lots of these things, just like we have accomplished uh, vaccines, multiple vaccines for COVID in less than a year. So well, the thing, the thing I think with cancer, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's is mm-hmm. none of those diseases are transmissible. Right, right. Oh yeah. Except for HPV, which causes cancer, but that's from a virus. Yeah. Um, so unless we find a correlation between viral loads and cancer and other diseases, there, it, there's no money in a cure. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Mm. And it, you know, I'm not saying that it's not challenging. I'm not not not, ba- and I'm not bashing the researchers either. I'm just no, no, saying. No, no. That- I mean, there are people that are trying, but again, pharmaceutical companies, vaccination is a very profitable vi- business. Oh yeah, is it? Yeah, because my I, well, the people that I know who work in insurance and healthcare and pharma, you know, are like the real money in healthcare is in cholesterol and erectile dysfunction. Well, yeah, but that's 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 your that's like the um, plastic surgery of like, <laughs> pharmaceuticals. I mean, vaccines don't make <laughs> a lot of money, but they make more money than if than if you cure somebody. Yeah, yeah. 
Because you like do- with with HIV stuff and with Hep C stuff now, you can cure somebody with hepatitis C, but it costs eighty four thousand dollars. Oh my Whereas, god. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, well, it's that's the, um, that's what you have to pay. But like right. the actual drug, because they sell it in you it's can go to India, nothing. and it's yeah. twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, oh, okay. it's nothing. It costs eighty four thousand dollars in the United States, and had that been around, I would still have two brothers. But um, yeah. Uh, but with with the HIV medications, where you get your viral load super down, you have to take that daily. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Like birth control, basically, right. until you're barren, like I am. But um, <laughs> you, and there's a lot of money in those drugs, um, yeah. which is why the HIV cure was never going to come. It was always going to be something along these lines. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I want to talk about. Well, the thing about, I mean, HIV is a very unusual virus in that it, it has. Is. It's like it has a skeleton key. Like it will pick the locks and it will change its shape. Like COVID. Pre- yeah, but it's more it's more tricky than COVID because it can hide in the right. organs mm-hmm. in this deep deep in the body for years before it starts to do its Same thing. with hepatitis. They're very similar yeah. um, viruses, um, which is why I think when the hepatitis C But AIDS C is constantly thing, changing its protein co- spikes mm-hmm. or protein coat or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's, that's why it's, it's so hard to make a vaccine for it because it's like a chameleon. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got a, a couple of sad things and an uplifting personal story uh, here on deck for the show today. And I want to talk about that coming up uh, after a short break here. And uh, I'm just prepping you. I'm just saying, you know, it's it's Chez Day. So I want to talk about Chez here uh, for a second. And and a friend, a mutual friend from the Stephanie Miller show. I want to talk about him, mm-hmm. too. So speaking of uh, Alzheimer's. But before we talk about that, if something mm-hmm. is interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, consider our sponsor, BetterHelp. That's H-E. E-L-P. BetterHelp seeks to provide professional help with ease. It's not a crisis line. This is professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist. Start communicating in under 48 hours, connecting in a safe, private online environment. Send a message to your counselor and receive a timely response. Schedule weekly video or phone sessions, whatever works for you. Anything you share is confidential. And if you want to try a new therapist, it's simple and free to switch. BetterHelp says they're more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available start living a happier life today you'll get 10 percent off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash sexy liberal join over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health go to betterhelp that's h-e-l-p.com slash sexy liberal and receive 10 percent off your first month betterhelp.com slash sexy liberal thank you the bob seska show Sleep at night, tosses and turns till the morning light. The world's under, the world's not fair. She can't breathe through the heat in the air. Almost don't want to interrupt this. This is uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, Bob Malone. 
Brand new to the show. There's a song called Good People. BobMalone.com, the traditional spelling of Bob and the traditional spelling of Malone. Uh, Bob's played this is with really like I'm already starting to cry. Me so. too. Wonderful. He sounds a lot like John Bon Jovi to me. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, yeah. he's, he's played with John Fogarty. He's played with Ringo Starr, Avril Lavigne, Bob Seger, wow. so many others. His uh, recording of "You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch" was featured in the uh, the movie trailer for The Grinch. When that came out, I think that's the Jim Carrey. No, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. This is, it's the animated one. It's the Illumination Universal version, not the oh, okay. not the creepy Jim Carrey one. This is the <laughs> the better animated version of uh, the Grinch, heard by millions on YouTube and in theaters. Again, Bob Malone, good people. Link in the description to support Bob Malone. Download this song. If you don't have it's this in great. your if you don't have this in your music collection by the end of the day, what the hell's wrong with you? Uh, again, BobMalone.com, BobSeska.com slash music if you want to submit okay that's like louis armstrong like what a be wonderful world uh-huh. beautiful yeah that really like that's an amazing i hope that song is a massive hit yeah i know i mean he released it mr in- malone if you're listening please like push yeah he, <laughs> yeah he dropped that song in 2019 so i mean it's now we're coming up on two years since it came out let's get this wow. song onto yeah. the charts get it onto to the spotify charts lord knows the spotify charts needs music like this on it thank you very much uh, okay, so as I said before the break, it is Chez Day. Four years ago, uh, we lost Chez Pazienza, my uh, co-host here on the show, and a very, very good friend. I mean, you know, I always say that uh, when Chez was on the show, when we were doing the show together, which we did from 2011 on through uh, the beginning of 2017, and uh, he, I think I spoke to Chez for more time each week, I should say, than I did with, like with my own family, like my own family members. So that's how, you know, that's how close we were. And we, you know, obviously as we do, Jody and David, we talk before the show, we catch up, we talk about things that never make it onto the show. Sometimes I feel like they should be incorporated into the show, but that was, you know, that was part of the relationship I had with Chez and, you know, we would uh, go over personal things and support each other. And uh, it's just, it's such a, it's such a tragedy when you lose someone suddenly like that. And God, I'm never going to forget that that night. It was a Saturday night, I believe. And, uh, you know, uh, Kimberly and I had been watching The West Wing and we were just about to start a new uh, a new episode on Netflix. And I went to check my text messages and there were like, I don't know, 100 text messages from people saying, I'm sorry about Chez. And I was like, oh, my God, what is what is you like, went to call him. To be like, what happened? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I, I just, I scrambled to figure, oh, well, maybe he was in an accident or something, mm-hmm. and is he okay? And then I heard the horrible oh, Bob, news. I'm so sorry. That he had, uh, he had been sitting in his car, and he had been uh, uh, indulging in some things that he probably shouldn't have, and, you know, mm-hmm. ended up uh, overdosing as a result of that. And uh, it was, uh, I mean, you talk about your world crashing down. I do this show for a living. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, not only was I losing my best friend, but I was losing my partner in developing this show. And then everything was kind of thrown into chaos. And I I was unsure, do I even continue doing the show in the first place? Mm -hmm. But, you know, obviously, you know, thoughts about (laughs) the fucking podcast were vastly secondary to everything else is Taryn okay is his mom okay is are his daughters okay Chez had two daughters one very young 
And uh, you know, I met her too. She was so sweet. Anara is lovely, and and that's one of the reasons, you know, why I still kind of at the beginning of every after party podcast, I still pay a little bit of a tribute to to Chez and and his family by continuing to use the voice of his daughter Anara. Uh, at the beginning saying welcome to the after party and giggling and so on and that's part of the (laughs) opening production elements on the after party on Fridays Um, but with Chez I feel like this guy that went to my high school that he knew this other guy at school and they got along and they knew each other but they didn't know each other super well and then the guy was killed in a car accident and when he died it turned out his mother revealed that they actually had the same father that his the kid who died's person that he grew up thinking was his dad was not his biological father and mm-hmm. so this guy at my school found out that somebody was his half brother when he died um oh. i'm sorry guys um i'm gonna have to, i are you okay yeah i just found out one of my cousins died oh no oh that's awful do you need to go jody yeah do you mind no not at all i'm so sorry i mean oh jody my god I love you so much i'm so sorry yeah it's my cousin pat oh man okay <laughs> All right, you guys, I'll talk to you guys next week. I love you. I love you, Jody. Take I'm care. I'm sorry, Bye. Jody. Okay. Thank love you. you back. Right, there she goes. Jeez. Well, let's just have a good cry real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do, You know what? Good idea. Not a bad idea. I'm, I'm like halfway there. Well, as if that wasn't all bad enough, we just learned last night that Jim Ward from the Stephanie Miller show uh, not only has been battling in one of the most severe ways possible, COVID, uh, for the past year, uh, mm. I guess you call them uh, people who've been battling long that long hauler. long hauler. Yeah, exactly right. But on top of that, he's got, um, from what I understand, uh, Alzheimer's uh, or some other form of dementia. And uh, you know, so he's in physical therapy, learning to walk, learning to talk, things like that. Uh, it just The COVID was extraordinarily severe. Um, this is one of the things where Look, if you're gauging the severity of COVID on the death rate, you're kind of doing it wrong because it's not just the people who die. It's the people who survive it, the long haulers who are dealing with the side effects from it. Um, They're not succumbing to it, but it's dramatically affecting their lives in the long run. And so if you're willy-nilly, still walking around, shirking your responsibility to your country and your society. How fucking dare you? You have to do what is right. You have to think about not just yourself, but your entire country, your entire planet for a change. I know it's hard to (laughs) not indulge ourselves sometimes, but seriously, we all have to do our part. And if you're, again, if you're focused on the absolute worst case scenario you're missing all kinds of horrible shit and all you got to do is go check out jim ward's facebook page um with an entire description of what he's been going through for the past year and you will know you will know what it's like to not die from covid but still be dramatically impacted from this fucking awful awful virus that has affected us all in some way or another uh in the past year and it's certainly it's been uh, predicted that uh, we were all going to be impacted by it and uh it's just fucking horrible 
Horrible from top to bottom. Um, I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that, David, because I know, you know what, credit where credit is due. Long before we started talking about it actively on this show, you were urging us to talk about it on this show. (laughs) I just, I, uh, this is the thing. They were like, no one could have seen this coming. No, everything I have read about pandemics in the last dozen years, Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of a nerd about this. Like I read about epidemiology all the time. I've read more books about the bubonic plague than probably most people have read, you know, John Grisham novels. Like, yeah. and everyone's been saying, we're about ready for, it's about time for a pandemic. And they just, and I, as soon as I started hearing novel pathogen in Wuhan, I just knew like mm-hmm. this was coming and it was going to impact all our lives. And, you know, I started buying like non-perishables because I didn't know what was going to happen. But it so didn't have to be this way, but you know, nope. Bob, can we take like just a fifteen minute break? <laughs> I, I'm still trying to process what just happened to Jody, and yeah, yeah, I, just, I hear how sad her voice was right then, and I'm just, I need to take a minute. Okay, so, yeah, like, sure, sure, we can take a fifteen minute break. One fifty five. I'll meet you back here at two o five. At two o five, perfect. Okay, yeah, no problem. Okay, I just uh, I think I need to cry. <laughs> okay, yeah, I understand. I, I I totally understand. Go go do that, and we'll pick up where we left off. I'll be right back. I'm not even gonna log out. I'm just gonna put my headphones down. Okay, you got it. You got I'll it. be back. Okay. <clears throat> well, you okay? You all right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're started up again. We're uh, moving forward. Uh, Here's a positive story to counterbalance the previous uh, five or ten minutes. Um, So I don't know if you're familiar with my... uh, So I've I've had two... I've lived through two house house fires. fires. Yeah, one was a gas explosion, which is kind of an amazing thing that I even survived. Uh, My mom got me out of the house before the whole house blew up. And then... uh, (laughs) Then uh, nine years. It's so later, action movie. I'm imagining her like striding away from the house with yeah, a baby. It's, you know, that's almost like exa- you know. That's almost exactly what happened. <laughs> she walked right across all this broken glass because the the windows had all blown out in the house before she got out. Big hole in the wall had been blown out, and she actually ran out through the hole in the wall onto the uh, front lawn and beyond. Uh, so it was like an action movie. But then in 1981, the house burned down from a, an electric fire. And in the process, I lost all of my Star Wars action figures. <laughs> you know, my first generation vintage, late 70s Star Wars action figures. The entire collection no, was shrinky-dinked and melted down. And then what happened uh, to um, the replacement figures I bought, because, of course, I was still a kid, and there were still a few more movies to come out, and I bought the, the toys again. Well, in a, uh, in a tragic divorce, I lost... <laughs> I was moving out of my house and I grabbed the wrong bin to load Mm. into the moving van. And so (laughs) in the correct bin, the bin that I didn't take with me uh, were my replacement Star Wars action figures. So once again, I lost all of my Star Wars action figures. And so um, the other day on Instagram, I posted this photograph of the card back from a, a vintage Star Wars action figure. Like it was the mm-hmm. collect all 77 image with the yellow background and then a photo of all of the Star Wars action figures all lined up with their names and everything and numbered and all the rest of it. I posted that on Instagram just because it's fun to look at. And as a result of that, 
this guy I've known for years online, uh, through Facebook, and certainly through his work with what I'm about to talk about, uh, this guy named Tim Eldred, who's not only a subscriber here on Patreon, but also uh, has been following my work on Facebook and so on for mm-hmm. years and years and years. Tim Eldred DM'd me on Facebook with a photograph of his vintage Star Wars action figures and said, do you want these? <gasps> and I said, well, making, oh, a, hell long, yes. making a long story <laughs> short, I said, oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I will take them off of your hands if you want to get rid of them. Are you sure? And he said, yes, of course, you can have them. And I was what? I was blown away. Um, this was an act of generosity that you, I mean, frankly, you seldom see, if ever. I mean, no, this is like he's handing you your childhood back. Exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's what I told him. I said, I can't describe to you how grateful I am. And it's there's a sentimental value to this gesture that it carries such weight with me emotionally that you know I'm just so immensely grateful to Tim Eldred for doing this. And so I want to, at least in return, uh, and they arrive on Tuesday. I can't fucking wait. Uh, at least in return, I want to plug <laughs> the so shit. Cute. I know. I, it, look, it's well, yeah. I'm a Gen X kid. I'm born 1971. Saw Star Wars when it first came out in 1977, and have been obsessed ever since. You no, know, I remember. I remember when the first seven action figures came out, and yeah. I thought my first one I got was an R2D2. Oh, you did? I got the first one I got was C3PO. <laughs> How about oh that God. shit? <laughs> I remember that very distinctly. I bought it at See, Memco. you've been waiting for I've been waiting for you, R2, and you've been waiting for me, 3PO, all your right. life, really. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely Typical. fucking right. Yeah, there was a chain of stores in Northern Virginia called Memco. I remember, you mm-hmm. know, buying my first uh, C3PO action where my mom bought it for me when we went to Memco. And I will never forget that purchase. That's just one of those things. So this guy, Tim Eldred, is, turns out he is an accomplished animator, accomplished comic book artist. He is, a, in fact, I knew Tim Eldred. Or I should say I knew of Tim Eldred even before we met through social media because I had one of his, he used to do, in fact, he still does. He maintains the world's largest Star Blazers website called Cosmo DNA. Um, Is that that Japanese thing with the ship? Yeah, from the 1970s. It was Uh, one of the great dramatic. Exactly fucking right. And so he's one of the standard. He worked for Voyager Entertainment, which is has the domestic rights for uh, Star Blazers. And so before I even met Tim, I had one of his Star Blazers drawings blown up to poster size and framed on the wall of my office. And then it turned out we nice. ended up connecting uh, over Star Blazers. And you've got to go and visit his website, timeldred.com. It's got comic art, animation. He's maintained the world's, as I said, the world's largest Star Blazers website. He... Uh, uh, did work on Batman Brave and the Bold, which is one of the great Batman animated series. Holy shit. So I uh, am so grateful to Tim Eldred. So please do me a personal favor. If you love this show, go and look at his website. Spend some time over there. Bookmark it if you want to. And there's lots of good things to go back into and and dig into. Once you've seen the website already, you can go back and find out more things. Uh, check out his work. Check out the original comics that he's created. Uh, and just all kinds of amazing uh, comic art and animation going on over there. TimEldred.com. That's E-L-D-R-E-D. I'm going to put a link in the description for you to, to click on and to support his work. Tim, you did me... An incredible favor, and I'm so grateful. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Okay. So now that that's, that's really <laughs> amazing. I'm still kind of agog. Like, you know, I was just thinking about, I had the land speeder, which ran on those little spindly wheels. But oh it yeah. Like it was floating. Yep. Um, and yeah. I had the death star placed it with the yeah. trash compactor with all the styrofoam garbage. And the- <laughs> yes. I remember all that stuff distinctively. And uh, it's just such a part. If you're a Gen Xer, uh, like we are, it's such a part of your life, the existence of Star Wars and the fandom around Star Wars, especially for those of us who were boys at the time and uh, it just had such an appeal, uh, such an exciting uh, I had a much younger person start fucking with me about being old and I was like, I saw Star Wars in the theater. Okay, so... Uh, our very special segment has now concluded. We're going to take <laughs> we're going to take a short break and uh, come back and wrap up the show right after these words. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items, too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska. I think this is a band that, uh, David, you introduced me to. This is Vision Video. It's Vision Video, isn't it? I love that. Absolutely, yeah. This My is neighbor. A song called Inked in Red from their In My Side single. So it's a single with, uh, you know, it's like a traditional single. It's got the uh, main song, which is called In My Side, and it's got this song as the B-side. But there is no B-side anymore because it's all the same side with digital. So it's, uh, and there was always a way that bands could like sneak in something kind of subversive. Yeah, oh, you know, I know. Like you'd put out a hit single and the B-side is something really weird. Yeah. Gabriel was great for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, I have decided, too, that I think we're going to end the show with uh, a full playing of Bob Malone's track here, Good People. I think we're going to wrap up the show. After we're done doing the end credits and everything and the closing theme music and whatever. I finally managed to get like the tears and snot (laughs) under control and you're going to hit me with that song again. You you know what? You can pull a chaise and just throw your headphones off and say, I'm not going to listen to this. Because I remember one of the things that used to happen with chaise all the time is I was really into the sound of the screaming goats. Remember that was a uh, like a viral (laughs) meme going around? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Everyone was taking video of the screaming goats. And I thought the sound was hilarious. And of course, this is a show that's all about the sound. So I used to play the screaming goats whenever there was a new one that would pop up. (laughs) And you could hear chaise throw his headphones off. I don't know why. I'm not going to listen to this. (laughs) 
<laughs> we get so disgusted with the sound of the screaming goats. So it became a thing where I would actually troll him with the screaming. I would now seek out <laughs> screaming goat sound to play because I knew it annoyed him. That's the kind of uh, brotherly relationship I, that we had. The couple that I lived with in New Orleans, the husband hated the Smiths. Oh, yeah. And just hated. And so I chased him around. I have this dead, accurate Morrissey impression. I'm like, belligerent ghouls run Manchester schools. You know, he's just like, stop, stop. You know, like, yeah, I come to wish you an unhappy birthday. You know. <laughs> so um, suffice to say, you know, Rand Paul doesn't understand anything about anything. I, I think this is all oh, very God. clear to all of us. We know this. Rand Paul's a fucking idiot with his goddamn fake hair and his ridiculous, indiscriminate accent. No, the hair accent. is real. I don't think that, like, I've, I've really... Uh, no, the hair is... If that's not real, then someone is robbing him blind. Oh, yeah, because... no, it's real. And no, it's fake. It's fake. It's absolutely a toupee. <gasps> yeah. Oh, my God, he pays money for that? See, now, I, my, I have this special gift. This is my superpower. I'm like a member of the X-Men, and I can spot a toupee from a mile away. It's just the sixth sense that I have. And I have looked at his fucking hair. I've spent way too much of my time looking at Rand Paul's hair, and I have determined by looking at it up close, enlarging photos. I've been examining pictures of Rand Paul like the Zapruder footage, and I have determined <laughs> that, yes, in fact, he does wear a toupee, and I guess he just likes the crumpled, disheveled look because that's what it is. It just kind of sets on top of He's his... such a slob. His actual hair is more like... If you go look a, at a picture of his dad, if you go look at a picture of Ron Paul... That's the hairline. Do I have to? No, no, So much no. rather go look at pictures of RuPaul. There's no requirement that you have to look at Ron Paul. I'm just saying, if you're weird and you're curious like I am, <laughs> then you can. But on a serious note, Rand Paul, there was a hearing yesterday in the Senate about uh, trans rights. And they had, uh, I, I think they had a, mm. a, a trans woman testifying and all the rest of it. Rand Paul was describing transition surgery as genital mutilation. He is denigrating the struggle to eliminate actual genital mutilation from this fucking planet because it happens too goddamn often. And it happens to children against their will, mostly girls, and it is a horrifying practice. And Rand Paul believes that if you're having gender <laughs> reassignment... Fake hair is mad because it's not natural. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. But this is Quote, a... Quote, unquote, natural. This is a little bit of Rand Paul. Uh, you know, it, we, we started the show talking about Scottish accents. I still have not be, been able to figure out Rand Paul's accent. It is some sort of weird hybrid between... I don't know. It sounds a little Canadian. <laughs> it's just so it's Southern college stoner. Yeah, I think that's kind that's of what, what it is. is. Uh, you do like uh, he's got. Kind of, I mean, go ahead and roll it. Okay, here's here's Just a little. Pretend he's completely baked while yeah, he's talking. Yeah, exactly. That's what this sounds like. Genital mutilation has been nearly universally condemned. Genital mutilation has been condemned by the WHO, the United Nations Children's Fund, the United Nations Population Fund. According to the WHO, genital mutilation is recognized internationally as a violation of human rights. Genital mutilation is considered particularly egregious because, as the WHO notes, it is nearly always carried out on minors and is a violation of the <laughs> rights of children. Okay, you know, I'm going to stop it there. First of all, because this is so utterly fucking toxic, what he is saying here. I mean, 
but I mean, but it's, it's it would be like me going to a hearing on like heart attack survivors yeah. and talking about prostate cancer. Like, I mean, <laughs> right. these are like two totally unrelated, or like talking about like you know sink repair. Yeah, like it just is completely. It doesn't make Unrelated any sense. Unrelated topics. Yeah. No. Yeah. And he, of course he sounds – he's so smug. And is he like doing anything about actual uh, genital mutilation that's going on? No. Is he Is he no. making any stride toward that? No, of course not. You're exactly right. He's not doing a goddamn thing about it other than to compare transition surgery with genital mutilation. There's just – you're exactly right. There see, is no comparison. Like, it's so that. typically boomer though. Yeah, that, like, exactly. You know, they think that – you know they, gender is defined by our genitals mm-hmm. it's like no that's sex yeah yeah <laughs> that's those are two different things and gender is a construct but i mean he's just going for the most reactionary like drunk at the corner of the bar that's right talking out his ass viewpoint he possibly could and it's meant to be shocking and he'll fundraise on this when mm-hmm. the outrage comes oh yeah you know, of which course inevitably will and he'll be like i'm being canceled by the liberal mafia this is just another i mean they're they're exploiting trans americans as yet another wedge issue this is uh, the resurrection of the bathroom bills and so on and and they're you know georgia in particular i don't know if you're aware of this david we talked about it on tuesday show with buzz Georgia Republicans have introduced a law before the state legislature that would create, yeah, would create a uh, a panel of three physicians who would examine girls' genitals. Yeah, this is not going to happen. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's just going to get shot. They're just posturing. That's just political kabuki. Right. Right. Because they know that their time is up. Yeah. Exactly. Next time we have a voting cycle. They're all out because Georgia's a police state. Now. Yeah. I mean, that's so and that's, they're just throwing shit at the wall to fundraise on. Shit like this tends to sneak its way in <laughs> to law uh, while we're not looking. So it's just one of the reasons why I think it's important to bring it up. Meanwhile, here is. Uh, it's just so like Dr. Mengele. It really you know, is. Like, yeah. We must, yeah. We, we must examine your genitals to see if you are fit to go into the bathroom. It's you know, it's so just, fucking like, ridiculous. And you know what it is? This is a, a way to intimidate. Uh, uh, trans girls out of participating in high school sports. It's the entire goal of it. Because, or in high school at all. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is the, the, the point of this is to say, look, if you want to play basketball, you trans girl, you deviant, perverse, weirdo, you. I mean, that's kind of what the Republicans are saying. If you want to do this, we're going to have to examine your genitals first. In front, in front of a panel of three strangers. See, you know, gender reassignment, like people, there's all kinds of stages, and not every trans person, yeah, goes through a you know a, restru- a genital genital restructuring is pretty hardcore, and it's kind of like late in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, uh, I don't yeah. want to overgeneralize, but trans people, uh, it's you know, it's a it's a spectrum. Yeah. And there's all kinds of, you know, so it's just, just, you know, and expecting someone in their teens to get genital gender, re- that is like genital, me- I mean, that's, yeah, but that's not, I mean. Uh, yeah. And you also take into consideration the fact that the people who are trying to implement this, if they're at all serious, and I think what you said was absolutely true, this is posturing, no, this is pandering. But in terms of actually trying to legitimize this as a real law that should be passed, what they're doing is they're taking youth sports way too seriously. I mean, if you are so oh, dedicated... No, and youth fanatic- sports is a 
fucking religion here. <laughs> yeah, well, it's imagine so imagine being in Texas with football, for example, Friday yeah. Night Lights. I mean, that's a great case study in how fanatical people are about youth sports. I think it's dangerous, and I'm not I'm not here to try to propose some law against youth sports or anything like that. But I, just as a general philosophy, I find that kind of uh, media attention and so on. I mean, when I was uh, first working in radio, the radio station I worked for used to broadcast all the high school football and basketball games on the radio and treat them as if we're talking about NFL first round draft picks. Yeah. And so that's yeah. a lot of pressure for people who barely have their driver's licenses. You know what I mean? And They're, you look at what happens to someone like Tiger Woods, who's been in subject to this intense pressure and media scrutiny for, yeah. you know, all through his formative years. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah. Although I have to get mad because everyone was like, I bet he's on drugs. And I'm like, you know what? Sober people have car accidents too. That's true. Yeah. You know, it just makes me crazy if, like, someday I swerve to miss a deer or something, everyone's going to be like, oh, he must be using again. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, but. <laughs> well, here's, I mean, the, the, the reason I'm, I'm going down this route with kind of criticizing how, how seriously people take youth sports is the fact that if there is a trans girl who wants to play high school basketball, People are concerned that the competition is going to be lopsided because she is genetically male with, you know, maybe some degree of testosterone already coursing through. Maybe she's grown a little bit larger uh, because of that. And people are like, oh, my God, we can't have this larger girl playing with all the regular size girls. Because <laughs> it won't gonna, be fair. It won't be fair. Exactly it right. It won't be fair. When do you fuckers care about fair? <laughs> you know? Like- oh, shit. Oh, God, that's so well, well said. Aren't you the anti-participation trophy folks? Yeah. Like, you know, some free market survival of the fittest. <laughs> right, right. So it's, it's such bullshit. And so now, it's you know. It's pretty comical for them to be talking about leveling any kind of playing field. Yes, yeah, yeah. And so on top of a bullying problem that already exists where trans people are getting bullied to the point where they're committing suicide, we're adding this. We're turning it into a... Uh, you know, a U.S. Congress hot potato on top of, uh, you know, if we go back to Rand Paul, but that's on top of some of these ridiculous state level laws. So there uh, there's that. It's just another fucking thing that the, the toxic, toxic Republican Party is injecting into the discourse. But meanwhile, speaking of that, Louis DeJoy uh, was uh, on the Hill for hearings yesterday. He said uh, he plans to run USPS for a long time, quote unquote. Uh, and he said, get used to me. This motherfucker. Needs two to, words. He, he needs to go. Yes. Two words. Just fuck that. Fuck that. <laughs> We've. <laughs> President Biden is nominating three new members of the Postal Board of Directors or Postal. What is it? Is it Generals? Postal. I don't know. Yeah, no. This is, yeah, he's the. Him. Yeah, he's the uh, Postmaster General, and then I think it's the Board of Directors. I want to say that uh, determines. Well, you know, but the president has a significant amount of sway over this Board of Directors, and. I don't know why. To me, this guy should have been fired day one, like January 21st. Bye-bye, board of directors, and subsequently, bye-bye, Postmaster General Louis yeah, fucking Yeah, they're being Tagumba. very patient with him. He'll he's be like, He's soon. like a mobster. He's got that... He's got that Brooklyn accent, man. And when I hear that, it just screams. That's why I'm playing the Godfather. I didn't even music. get that far. I think he's like a just basically a, a boil personified. You know, like 
<laughs> so uh, he's like a giant pink hemorrhoid in a tie. Yeah, and by way of a plug, uh, Kimberly's mom, Ann Warner, who's an, an accomplished author, she wrote a great piece about all of this yesterday on her uh, Patreon page. So uh, I was on Kimberly's show yesterday. If you want to go get some more T Rex, but again, it's Patreon.com/slash Ann Warner. That's W E R N E R. And the traditional spelling man, A-N-N. Uh, Washington Post reported yesterday that uh, Louis DeJoy told a House panel on Wednesday that his forthcoming strategic plan for the U.S. Postal Service may include slowing first-class mail and removing a significant amount of mail from air transportation. Go fucking fuck yourself. This guy should be in fucking prison for what he has done for the past year. During a, a fucking deadly pandemic where we all rely on the mail to get prescriptions, to food, to supplies, to live, to p- toilet paper, for God's sake, we're using the mail. We're using the mail to vote. And he decided, oh, fuck it. I'm cutting back. I'm making sure that the mm. mail is completely unusable. And that's what he did. And he actually accomplished that goal. And it's a. And All it's I a, could really do is quote Lily Allen. Fuck you very, very much. <laughs> Wait, did you and just. And we really hate you. And we hate your whole crew. Wait, so did you just quote. Stay in touch. You're quoting. Lily Allen? Woody, oh, you're quoting Woody Lily Allen. Allen. Oh, who? No. Lily Allen. Lily singer. Allen. Okay. I was going to say, you're quoting Woody Allen. I was like, what no, a bad no, no. timing, David. <laughs> but no, no okay. I've Lily Allen. I've never been a fan of that guy. And yeah. It does not surprise me at all that he's a fucking creep. Well, Kimberly and I are going to talk about Allen V. Pharaoh, the uh, new documentary series on HBO. We're going to be talking about that on the after party tomorrow because we're, we're checking that out. And it is. It is disturbing, suffice to say. I don't know how the hell Woody Allen's going to wiggle out of this one. But he's managed to, you know, kind of walk through the raindrops so far. I mean, I don't know. But he's definitely a really extraordinarily fucked up, creepy, creepy, creepy creeper. No two ways about that. I mean, there, uh, Dylan Farrow's story seems really on the level. I mean, she doesn't seem like she's making it up. And it looks like, uh, uh, what's his name? Ronan Farrow. Uh, backs up mm. Dylan's story. So we yeah, shall I, see. Hmm. Yes. I just remember I was trying to watch some Woody Allen movie when I was in college, and I was just like, God, this is boring. If I wanted to listen to a bunch of Yankees wine, I'd go to the deli. You know, like, <laughs> so you're seeing it as a regional thing. It is regional. I guess he is a regional director. It's That's true. so neurotic and northeastern, and it's just like... I don't know. It's just like, really, you have time for this? I yeah, don't. Yeah. Well, I think one of the reasons why Woody Allen has managed to, uh, as I said, walk through the raindrops for so many years on, on these allegations is the fact that people don't want to believe that he did these things because they admire his films so much. And it's no excuse. No excuse. Yeah, those the are same two, with, you can have both those notions in your head at once. Yeah, it's the same with Bill Cosby. Uh, you know, he his oh, stand-up was breaks my heart. Yeah, his stand-up was killer. He was a major influence in most of the comedians we love today. But he was a fucking rapist, a serial rapist. And so, uh, yeah, you're gonna have to square these things away because I don't think uh, doing some great stand-up, irrespective of how significant it was, that doesn't erase the fact that he was a serial rapist. I'm sorry. So mm-hmm. the fact that he was a serial rapist, a lot more horrifying than the quality of his stand-up. Or <laughs> a lot more horrifying than his stand-up was great. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, so b- best to Jody Hamilton and her family. Uh, what a goddamn tragedy. Um, and uh, Best to you guys listening. Thank you so much for yes, indeed. supporting us. We really like... 
this has been a lifeline for me. We'll talk more about that in the after yeah. show. I hope you enjoy the uh, very special episode of the Bob Seska Show today. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Astral Summer, David's uh, music project is found at astralsummer.bandcamp.com. Go and support his music. It's some great, great, amazing work. You know, make one of his songs. Make a, a sad season the song of the summer, maybe. Take care, folks. Oh, we have we have a new song for that. I'll tell you okay. about it in a minute. Gotcha.
Hold it. Don't nobody move. One last thing here. We are so grateful that vaccinations for COVID-19 are underway. While we're nearing the finish line for this brutal pandemic, getting there means staying safe. For the foreseeable future, only respirator face masks provide real protection from transmission. Unfortunately, the huge demand and limited supply of respirators means we're flooded with fakes and counterfeits that do almost nothing. Right now, the NewDealShop.com has FDA-authorized N95 respirator masks with anti-fraud labeling on every single package that can be verified right on the manufacturer's website. They're listed in the United States by the NPPTL and provide the most significant level of protection. These respirator masks are in stock in the U.S. and ship immediately for free. Go to thenewdealshop.com now and get verified, authenticated, FDA-authorized N95 masks shipped immediately to your home or business. That's thenewdealshop.com, thenewdealshop.com. Go now. 